Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. And uh, thank you for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Pastor Joe Stoner, who's the worship pastor here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And Pastor Joe's here to uh, share his testimony with us today. Pastor Joe, just start out telling us about where you're from and a little bit about how you grew up. Well, I grew up in York County, Pennsylvania, and um, I was born into a, a very um, conservative religious family. Uh, I joke sometimes that I, I was born in the church. <laughs> um, I've often kind of thought about how often I was there, and um, if you add up all the times, there's a time to represent almost every day of my life, I think. That's mm. a little bit of an exaggeration, but it felt that way as a child. But that's not all a bad thing. It was part of what shaped me and who I am today. Both of my parents obviously were strong Christian, strong believers, and did their best to instill their beliefs and their values into us kids. So what were your parents doing at the church? Like, was it just whenever the church doors were open, were they in leadership? Well, it was probably both of those. Um, Whenever the doors were open, we were there. The type of church I grew up in, we had church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Mm -hmm. every Wednesday night. And um, revivals meant that was a 10-day revival. I went from Friday night of one week till Sunday of the next. That happened at least twice a year, and camp meetings in the summer were the same. My dad was almost always in some form of leadership in the church, um, usually on the board. He was a musician as well, Mm -hmm. Um, so um, a lot of times he was involved in that. And um, so there were a lot of reasons why we were there, um, but I'd say it was mostly just because it's who mom and dad were. It's, yeah. It was um, their beliefs and their love for the Lord and their desire to raise their family and their kids in the way that they believe would be pleasing to God. Yeah. Um, Pastor Joe, I can relate uh, to growing up in a Christian home uh, with parents that, you know, brought me to church whenever the doors were open, um, so to speak. But uh, when do you recollect so to speak when you made the decision the personal decision not just your parents bringing you to church or being there as a kid but when you really sense God's presence in your life and really making that decision for yourself well um, being in the church almost all my life growing up it's hard to even say when the first time I like really sensed the presence Mm -hmm. of the Lord in my life um, because there's so many times Mm -hmm. uh, the first time um, when that started for me, I mean, I can't really have a, I don't have a specific right. time, but it's, I, I do recall certainly a lot of different times in church um, where I know, you know, that typical just as I am, mm-hmm. 23 verses of it mm-hmm. that we joke <laughs> about, even though there's not that many, but it felt that many. And um, I, I remember having that sense that the Lord was drawing me and calling me. And that was a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I think you referenced also when I right. made my own decision. Right. Not, and um, that's kind of a hard question, too, when you've yeah. been in that environment your mm-hmm. whole life. That This is kind of, it sounds crazy to say, but I never really was a rebellious kid. Yeah. I never went out and did a bunch of stuff that I felt like I had really displeased God, had got into major sin. So... That's good and that's bad. The good of it is you don't have a bunch of things that you regret. Yeah. Um, the bad part of it is that it sometimes in that environment it's hard to even see 
why do I need God? I'm pretty good the way I am. Mm-hmm. And um, so sometimes it takes longer to almost really completely have that understanding that I really need to surrender my life mm-hmm. to God. And it's probably surprising that in that environment, the time that I felt like that really, really happened for me is when I was 16. Wow. It's not to say I hadn't had times before that where I had mm-hmm. prayed and, and whatever, but that's kind of when it happened for me. I, I remember where it was. Um, it was at camp, and I can show you kind of mm-hmm. where it was if I could go back there. And, of course, there's been other times along the way, but that's when I feel like when I'm asked that question, yeah. it's when I was 16. Yeah. Kind of that time when it started to become your own faith. You weren't there for any mm-hmm. other reason. And sensing that God was speaking to you. And I just think it's wonderful to be able to look back, even though all those years you were in the church, and I'm sure there were many times there was something special about that time. And what happened after that? Was there anything specific that happened after that? Was it, I mean, you already, like, when I came to Christ, there was a lot of things I needed to get rid of. <laughs> you know, a lot of changes that I wanted to make. And I just wonder what it was like for you after you made that move of surrender, that time of surrender, hearing God call. Yeah, um, my experience, I think, is maybe because of my background is a right. lot different than, mm-hmm. than some people. I'm pretty sure, if my memory serves me correctly, that at that same camp meeting, uh, there had been like a missionary service that was um, prior to the time when I really prayed and felt like um, that I found forgiveness mm-hmm. and Jesus came into my heart, to use our terminology. Mm-hmm. But I remember uh, before I had that experience, in this missionary service, they were asking people who would be willing to give up their life for Christian mm-hmm. service to come forward. And I went forward. Yeah. And my dad and I, we were having some conversations prior to this about me kind of finding my own faith. And when I did that, my dad told me, he said, I don't understand why you did that. I don't think you're saying that you're even in a full salvation experience, mm-hmm. but yet you're saying you're willing to go. I said, well, I just know that if I'm going to be right with God, I have to be willing to do whatever mm-hmm. wow. he says. And some people look at that as a sanctification type mm-hmm. thing, which kind of gets the cart in front of the horse. Right. I understand that. I think um, the biggest thing I take out of that is sometimes we like little formulas for how people come right. to Jesus. And I think it's all a really personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also based on what I now do with my life in mm-hmm. service, I do look back on that time yeah. knowing that, no, it wasn't missionary service as we think of missionary service. Right. But I am living in a place where I didn't grow up and that's I'm serving true. God here. So I guess that's a, a type of missionary mm-hmm. service. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had other experiences similar to that too, where God was renewing um, that thing within me um, to serve Him mm-hmm. beyond just being a Christian, um, but a life of service. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. I know that you knew all about Jesus. <laughs> you grew up in a church, and I'm sure that whether you came to Him before or after, which it sounds like it was after that. You were already pretty convinced of who he was. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So uh, you had that experience, and at some point you ended up uh, really, you had a call to follow Christ into ministry, and how long after that? Was it a long time? Well, when I graduated from high school, I took a gap year, and then I went to Bible college in Florida 
for a year. And um, I did um, study music when I was there at the Bible College for just one year. And um, I did that because that was where my greatest area of desire, based on how God made me, Mm -hmm. that was my greatest area of desire to study and learn more about. And I didn't really feel like I had clear direction on what God wanted from me. And two specific things happened to me kind of went in that college experience. I remember the one in particular um, when I was traveling with, I can't remember if it was the band that I played in or the choir, but we went and sang somewhere. It was on the other side of Florida in the Tampa Bay area. And I remember there was some type of call um, to come pray at the altar, whatever the end. I don't even remember what the service was about. But I remember feeling in that time when I went forward just to pray, I felt like God was renewing something in me saying, I want you to surrender for some sort of Christian service. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have any understanding of what that meant. But the thing that in my college experience that was kind of confusing is the church I grew up in was very, very small. Um, everything that would be done um, for music, everything was completely just Mm volunteer-led. And I was studying music in a college environment that was preparing me for, you know, Mm -hmm. music, for church music. But in my mind, I was like, the church as I knew it, there was no place really for someone to, um, who took enough time to study music and get a degree in it, that that could become like a calling, a career, Mm. to use that term. And I knew um, that if I kind of went in a normal track and eventually got married and have a family, I needed a way to support my family. And I couldn't see how I could do it with that. So I was like, I need to get education that will allow me to have Mm -hmm. a career. And I'll just serve the Lord in music in my spare time Mm -hmm. is the way I looked at it. So after one year, I didn't go back to the college. And I'm not sure if this is really part of your question, but um, I, I met my future wife at that college, though, and we I continued a, long, a long-term relationship, and she was from Colorado Springs. And um, I went out there to visit a couple of times, and through that experience, I visited the Nazarene Bible College mm-hmm. there, and she was taking a few classes there as well. She wasn't back at the college in Florida as well. And um, that was my first connection and contact with the Church of the Nazarene. Okay. And through that experience, God began to open up my eyes that maybe there was a place for somebody mm-hmm. like me in the church, and that was the way he wanted me to serve. Even that was a long process. Right. I eventually moved to Colorado. We got married, and I started attending the Bible college, kind of just at an invitation to sing in a quartet in that mm-hmm. college, and I took a couple classes because I had to to sing in the group. Okay. And... Um, <laughs> God used that, and the man who asked me to do it kind of has become one of my life mentors and mm-hmm. still is. His name is Dennis Hage. Um, he's about 80 years old now, but he is one of the youngest persons I know. Mm. And um, he's just a great mentor to me. Mm-hmm. I still um, have pizza with him every time I go to Colorado if yeah. I can because he's still there. And um, But that's some of how God got me to where I am. Mm-hmm. The whole college experience, even when I started there, I didn't really know what God wanted exactly. It wasn't until a couple years into it, God began mm-hmm. to make that more clear to me. Yeah. Did you um, meet any other people specifically while you were there? No, oh, a few. <laughs> I'm thinking of the tapestry of people and how God takes us from one place to the other and builds that tapestry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, I met someone with the name Carrie Willis uh-huh. there. He was at the college when I was there. I was actually there first. I kind of drugged mine out over five years because I was a part-time student for quite a while. 
because I didn't really know exactly what God wanted me to do with this. But um, Carrie was the school photographer, amongst other things, and that was kind of one of my connections with him. The singing group I was in, he would take our picture, and we made fun of him a lot for the way he talked. <laughs> and um, But in spite of all that, um, Carrie and I, we met initially because he overheard a conversation that I was having with someone else, and he realized that our past was kind of connected. Mm-hmm. We knew some of the same people, and that was really interesting. We only had one class together, and there was a conversation in the class uh, one time about how short the typical tenure of associate pastors, like mm-hmm. youth pastors and um, worship pastors is. And Carrie was sitting right beside me. I really can't remember him sitting beside me often. I remember it like it was today, though. He was to my right. And I just kind of mumbled to him. I said, see what I have to look forward to? And he looked over at me and said, don't you worry, bub. He said, you're going to be with me someday. And I looked back at him and said, yeah, right. And um, Carrie came to Harrisonburg a year before I did. And um, the May I graduated, I got home one evening, and that little light on the answering machine Mm -hmm. was blinking. And as soon as I heard his voice, I knew why he was calling. And I think maybe I knew even then Mm. that this is where I would be. And that was May of 1995. Mm -hmm. Um, So here we are, 24 years later. That's amazing. It was not a two-year worship leader job here, was it? (laughs) No, it wasn't. (laughs) You even outlasted him. That's true. You've now been here longer than him because he came a year before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I was hoping you'd bring up especially that story about uh, the classroom where you said you had a lot to look forward to. And he said, you'll be with me. And you laughing. And it's just how God works. And it was neat to hear you talking about how you got connected to the college was through the singing group, mm-hmm. and not vice versa as you would normally probably expect. But uh, God used your passion and desire you know, for music to prepare you for full-time ministry, even if you didn't know if there was a spot for you in full-time ministry uh, in music where you um, felt God leading you um, to serve. And as Pastor Margaret said, you have been here a long time. And so just talk about that journey ever since you got that uh, phone call from Dad on the answering machine that night. Um, Well, uh, I called Carrie back, and uh, we agreed to come for an interview. My wife and I, Christy, we had prayed about it. I think we already knew we'd be here, and I think Carrie believed that mm-hmm. too. And he said, he told us, that you don't even need to come for an interview if you don't want to. He said, but I think you probably should. Yeah. So we did. It was July of, of 95 we came, and um, we didn't give anybody an answer before we left because there wasn't really an opportunity for Christy and I to really talk that much. Um, by ourselves to make sure with each other that we felt Mm -hmm. like we were hearing the same thing from the Lord. But I remember on the drive back to Dallas, and it was, I remember when we got back on the plane, I remember looking out the window of the plane, and I knew, I knew we'd be back. Um, The Lord really confirmed that. So we got here the first week in October of 95, and um, I can't really explain in words... um, how God just really just completely blew my my plans and expectations mm-hmm. out of the water. Uh, I grew like I said, I grew up in a tiny church, and I'm talking tiny, like 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50 people most of the time. And so to come to a church, which I'd experienced larger church 
in Colorado, but when I came here, the church was maybe 175 mm-hmm. to 200 people. They were nipping at the 200 mark, and um, the church just continued to grow as it had, you know, since the time Carrie had came here, and within like several months, we went to two services. I think the only time we haven't had two services since I've been here is for a little bit when, like the first month I was mm-hmm. here at Stone Spring Elementary because it was bigger and we could do one. When we first moved into this building, we had one, and within mm-hmm. the next year or two, we outgrew the building and had to go to two services. And the amount of people that God just sent our way and allowed us to minister to, it was so beyond uh, what I ever expected. And I can't even say what I expected. I never had a number in mm-hmm. my mind. Um, but that God would allow me to be in a place where um, I saw the move of God as much as I have through the years. Um, I'm just humbled and honored. I remember um, Neil Wiseman, who um, just passed away and went to glory here in this last year. He was one of Carrie and I's mm-hmm. professors at Nazarene Bible College. I remember hearing him say, and I think Carrie remembers this too, he used to tell students, he said, if you ever get into a place where God is moving, he said, stay. He said, because I can't tell you how many times I've seen pastors minister almost their whole life and never get in a place where God is really moving Mm -hmm. and blessing. Mm -hmm. He said, so if you get in a place, if he allows you to stay there. And um, I've never, uh, when I came here, I kind of, I just thought, you know, I won't be here that long because that's the way things work. Even though I guess I've temporarily forgot the thing that Carrie said. But just to be really honest, um, this is I'm kind of this is a little bit of a diversion. When I first left Colorado, I remember being in the U-Haul truck and looking in the rearview mirror and looking at Pikes Peak. I love the mountains, mm-hmm. and I still love Colorado. Um, I go back every time I possibly can. There's something about the landscape out there that just brings mm-hmm. something alive in me like no other place that I've ever been. And um, but when I was looking in that rearview mirror at Pikes Peak, in my mind, when I was leaving, I was thinking, "I hope I'm coming back soon." Mm. Uh, just wow. being honest, yeah. as a person. The funny thing is, and I think most of us can identify with this. I went back, you know, quite a few times for family visits and weddings and stuff like that because I knew quite a few people. Yeah. And every time I was there, I would visit everybody I could that I knew. And after five, six, seven years. Um, just because the nature of uh, who our friends were in Colorado, mm-hmm. except for family and except for Dennis Hayes that I already mm-hmm. mentioned, after a while there was nothing else to go back to because mm-hmm. everything else had changed. And then so God started to kind of show me, this is where I want you. This is mm-hmm. this, just stay here. Yeah. Kind of like Neil Wiseman had said, just stay where God right. places you. And um, so I still love going back there, but this is where God has me right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I would just even put that out to people as something to think about where they are in their own lives. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. you're not in ministry per se, um, but sometimes we're not happy with the lives that we have where we are. But look around you and see how God maybe is blessing your life mm-hmm. and um, allow yourself to live in his presence mm-hmm. day by day, mm-hmm. not thinking, well, I wish I could be over here somewhere. Right. Like initially, right. I was like, I wish I was in Colorado. But just recognize that God's moving in your life where you right. are. That's good. And I was just here realizing that we came to this church the same month. Like I came October of 95 as mm-hmm. well, not realizing that you were brand new. I guess I thought you had just been there for at that point for a long time. But I know that God has blessed the ministry. And I've actually sang in the choir 
soon after you came. Yes, I've made a joyful noise, I'll say that much. And those were really good years for me of building relationships with the people in the choir, and it just gave me a place to belong. A lot more probably happened in all of that than you even realize for the people that came and become this little community of folks um, that would sing on Sunday mornings. So thank you for coming, being here, and just being willing um, to surrender what your dreams were um, of being somewhere else, maybe. And God has plans for us we have never even thought of or imagined. So you all came here, you didn't have children at that point, correct? Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to share with us about that? Um, yeah, we didn't have children here with us, but we had one yeah. in heaven at yeah. that point. And um, that was one of the, the areas of our life that um, we kind of beat on God's chest about. Yeah. And um, like I said before, we got here in October. Uh, when we were here for the interview, the church actually had um, some sort of service on the land that we are now. We were in a different church building on Roosevelt Street at the time, but they had just made the purchase of the land where the church is now. So that Sunday we were here, we got to come out with the congregation for some type of, I guess it was a dedication of the land because Mm -hmm. they had just purchased it. 16.23 acres, I think is what it was. I don't Mm -hmm. know why I remember that. (laughs) Um, But it was kind of neat that we were able to be part of that. But so because of that, shortly after getting here, the church started into... Um, fundraising, stewardship um, campaigns to raise the money for the relocation and building of the new church. And um, a big part of that, it was like a three-month stewardship campaign that ended uh, with the people coming together and pledging what they would Mm -hmm. give um, to make this all happen. But a big part of the whole process was prayer. And um, there was a prayer vigil in particular. Um, It was a 24-hour prayer vigil, if I remember right. And we were all encouraged to write down prayer requests uh, of what we just needed or wanted God mm-hmm. to do in our lives. And we were kind of given two options. You could just write it down where the people pray it over it, actually saw what it was. And um, they would just pray for it specifically. Or you could just seal it in an envelope and people prayed over it. Well, because of what it was, um, we sealed ours in an envelope. But our prayer was that God would give us a family. Um, because right before moving here, um, actually almost a year before, uh, my wife had gone through a miscarriage. And it was at that time some things were found out that um, maybe it would make it impossible for her to ever mm-hmm. have children. Well, um, so that was our prayer request. It was sealed in an envelope. That was, um, the prayer vigil was probably like April or May of 1996. And it was like September October maybe of that year that we found out Mm. she was pregnant with our oldest daughter Mm. and they say daughter because that pregnancy did not end in a miscarriage and um, she was born in June of the next year which is exactly a month from the uh, when we had that banquet where the whole church came together Um, so for us um, our first child was in some ways the first fruits Mm -hmm. of God's blessing of our obedience, and that was the way he answered our prayer. Certainly not everything in our life has been rosy since then, but through the years, God has blessed Mm -hmm. us with four children, Mm -hmm. and we didn't see that coming um, based on how things were at one time. And um, so I I can't like say, sit here and tell people, well, if you just obey God, everything in your life is going to be Mm honky-dory, 
And um, right. God will answer all your prayers exactly the way he wants them. Because God hasn't answered all my prayers exactly the way he wants right. them. And I'll give you an example. We had a miscarriage between every child we've ever mm. had. And um, some of those were pretty painful. But I have learned I can trust God. Yeah. Um, I penned the lyrics of a song years ago that I get reminded about often because Carrie won't let me forget it. <laughs> And it came out of, honestly, I think I wrote it one of the weeks that we had just found out that she was losing another one uh, of the pregnancies. But the phrase was, trusting you is easy. Mm -hmm. If you stop there, you're like, oh, that's like heresy. It, yeah. um, you, you can't trust God. It's easily, it's not easy thing to do. But the whole line is, trusting you is easy because you're so trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that really that it's easy but it's pointing out how trustworthy God is yeah. and that we really, really can trust him because he has our best interest at his heart and we can trust his heart. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's a very small way of having an understanding of that, but I think about as a parent, you know, giving your children everything they want and everything working out for them doesn't always work out the best for your children. And, Absolutely. and so even on so much grander scale of who God is and as our father, um, he is a good, good father. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. Well, Pastor Joe, uh, thank you for sharing that uh, vulnerable testimony, but certainly an answer to prayer, maybe not in the way you guys would have expected it to be answered. And also a miracle. Mm -hmm. I would call each of your children's lives a miracle. Anything in closing uh, that you would like to share that you haven't shared already? I'll just continue on the, the topic where we were just were there for just a second to finish up the story about um, our oldest daughter. Um, sometime after she was born, Pastor Kerry walked to my office and handed me an envelope, and I recognized it. He said, it's sealed. He said, I don't know what it is. He said, but I know what's in there. He said, I think uh, Miranda's the answer to your prayer, isn't she? And I uh, said, yes. So we still have that envelope. Mm. It's in a Bible wow. at home, I believe. Uh, my wife, I know she knows where it is. So it's a great reminder mm -hmm. of God's faithfulness and his grace and his mercy towards us. And um, I know that whole subject, you know, was with a lot of people, um, perhaps who have gone through infertility or have gone through um, maybe multiple miscarriages. It's a really hard thing to go through. And I think a lot of people, if they've never been through it, um, they don't really understand, perhaps, um, how deep the pain is mm -hmm. with some people. And um, I've had some opportunity through years to say some things mm -hmm. to others. Um, I saw the pain that they were going through, and I knew mm -hmm. what it was. Yeah. And um, I've even told some people in the past who were going through that, that I would be in prayer for them. And I felt like what God was saying to me, that I needed to stand in the gap. Yeah. Um, for them in prayer and I'm not saying this is because of my prayer so please don't take yeah. that from it <laughs> but um, one of those um, in particular um, they have two children of their own today and it's not because I prayed but I do believe that God cares about those mm -hmm. things and anytime we have something painful in our life that God has brought healing to us mm -hmm. um, I think we'd all be um, really foolish if we didn't recognize the fact that God can use our points of pain yes. to bring healing to other people. Mm -hmm. And um, so if I can be that, yeah. his instrument of mm -hmm. healing and grace for anybody who's been in a similar situation, 
um, I consider it an honor to be yeah. able to, to walk with people in that way. That is a part of being in ministry, um, being a Christian, being a believer, being able to allow God to restore us. doesn't mean we're ever totally healed, but he restores us to a place where we can certainly reach out um, and walk with others through those places that have been um, hard for us. And you being able to just to tell someone else that God is faithful in the middle of it and in that messy middle where you find mm -hmm. yourself and know uh, that you can stand in the gap. And that's what this is about. And that's what we're called to do. And I'm grateful uh, for your testimony and for you being willing to share that today, um, being that um, vulnerable and transparent. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Pastor Joe. I've enjoyed hearing your testimony. Thank you, Grayson. It's been good to be here. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Pastor Joe Stoner's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.